blue line. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama wins! Elliott dodged the eye of this national championship win. A deep throw by Lawrence. A lot of contact. Justin Ross broke free from it. He's down in the end zone. Touchdown, Clemson. Welcome into episode 123 of Press Pass. I'm Kayla Anderson, my co-host Joshua Perry joining me, and we had more technical difficulties before the show. We can't go a week without something. This time, it was me trying to be fancy on the video side of things and realizing I didn't have enough ports in my Mac to hook everything up. So Yeah, you know, and it, like you said, it's if it's not one thing, it's another. And I didn't even say this, but as I was connecting in, um, I was like testing my mic and I'm like, dang, why, like, why isn't this? And I realized that it was still going through my Mac and not through my actual mic. And I'm like, damn, um, See? we don't, we don't have like producers on site. There's no engineers no. here. So we are left to our own devices and that's not a good thing. No, it's not. Especially because we added video recently. Right. So even though most of you are probably listening like a regular podcast, we wanted to, you know, venture out a little, get it on YouTube. And so we're trying that with the video. It's just a step-by-step process. Every week we try to get better. Some days (laughs) we go backwards, right? We take a couple of steps back, but it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't impede our progress entirely too much, you know? No, it's still good, good content. So I was excited to put this podcast together because you and I both know a guy by the name of Eddie George, former Ohio State player, Ohio State great. I know still does a lot of stuff in terms of appearances in Columbus, very beloved in Columbus, and also beloved here in Nashville where I'm located now. Obviously played for the Tennessee Titans, does a lot in the community to this day, lives here with his wife and two kids. So it was really exciting today when you finally were able to realize, okay, this is official. And the news I'm talking about, TSU hiring Eddie George as its new head football coach. Joshua, when you heard this, what was your reaction? It was honestly a surprise. And I had no idea that Eddie George had a desire to be a coach, a collegiate coach at that I mean, here he is, and he's a a true renaissance man. He's done Broadway, obviously had the athletic career that anybody would want to have, all pro type of guy, won a Heisman Trophy. He's been everywhere, and he's done a lot. And like you said, he's very active in the community, and he's one of those recognizable faces. And now you see him stepping into a new arena. I think it's pretty impressive. Uh, When you look at HBCUs right now, they're trying to do something, I think, a little bit different in terms of attracting coaches. They're going after high-profile, big-name guys who maybe don't have the the coaching resume, but they have the name recognition that I think can put some of these programs on the map. And specifically with Eddie George in Nashville, I think it's a perfect match. And what that will do is it will infuse more money into these universities because these coaches are going to be expected to raise funds. But it's also going to resonate with recruits to maybe – where you get those three-star guys, you know, low four-star guys who are looking at options and might decide that they want to go to 
a historically black college, specifically um, the black student athletes who are looking for maybe a more cultural experience. I think it's something that's pretty unique that's going on there. Yeah, it's really a cool thing for Nashville because you have Vanderbilt, which we know is trying to repair itself and repair its name in terms of the SEC with the hiring of Clark Lee. But you have TSU that has just, you know, it's been such a staple in Nashville. And you have the TSU band, which we all, Mm -hmm. I don't know if you out there have heard of the TSU band, but look it up. It's absolutely fabulous. But now, you know, they, they've they done so much in terms of churning out athletes, actually, in yes. their sports. And really, on the football side, they have some, some names, you know. It's not like they don't have anybody who's come from TSU. And so what I thought was interesting today, Joshua, when I listened to Eddie's press conference, by the way, nailed it. Are we surprised mm-hmm. at that? No surprise there. No surprise. So the one thing he said is when he was initially approached by TSU, he was like, are you kidding? How can I do this with all the other things that I do? And then he said his wife, Taj, actually talked to him and said, Talk really? about a superstar, too. Uh, hello. She's <laughs> I like, know. SWV? I hello. know. I mean, can, I would have introduced show on that. <laughs> I know I would have introduced myself to Taj before anybody. Um, right. <laughs> I, I, I literally grew up with that music. But yeah, Taj pretty much said, Eddie, let's just think about this. Right. Think about what you could really do. It, it's not just about winning. It's about helping these young men get to the next level in life. And that's mm-hmm. the type of guy Eddie is. Right. He He wants to help people. He wants to do the best he can. I mean, that's all he knows is is to be the best, to, to succeed. And so he said he decided that this was something that he wanted to do and then, you know, approached Jeff Fisher and kind of got his advice. And uh, what I thought was really interesting is he also got the advice from guys like Mike Tomlin with the Steelers, Mike Rabel, yep. but then he brought up this name, Luke Fickle. Sure. And I thought that was – really telling all the stuff we talk about in terms of Luke Fickle on this podcast. And Eddie brings that up as a guy that he turned to for advice in terms of taking this job. Yeah. And I I think it speaks to both of them as people uh, because they were at Ohio state at the same time. Mm -hmm. And so they have a relationship and a connection that's obviously lasted, you know, a couple of decades plus, And so you can see just the type of people that they are, that they wouldn't leave folks behind in their past. But um, to bring him up as somebody when you're taking that next step into coaching that you would seek advice from speaks to what Luke Fickle has done in his coaching career. And he's a guy who spent a ton of time at Ohio State. But when it was his time to leave, he went out and he had a ton of success. He built a program around players, around recruiting, around doing the right thing. And he honestly has overachieved in the position that he's at. And so if you're, if you're anybody who is following Tennessee State or just follows football in general, um, you should be excited that Eddie George would have the foresight and the maturity as a young coach, and not necessarily young himself, but young in the profession, to reach out to some of the names that he did and to ask them for advice. Now, I have actually – a little bit of a connection to Tennessee State. You, we talked about it on the show. I was born in Nashville. Yeah. Um, I don't have like any family from Nashville, but um, my dad's best friend's son um, 
was a quarterback at Tennessee State. He set records there and everything. And they would play in this game in Indianapolis called the Circle City Classic. Mm -hmm. Um, It was at the RCA Dome. uh, That was before Lucas Oil was there. And so we were living in Columbus at the time, and we would drive over uh, just a few hours, and we would watch him play. And it was really awesome because if you're not familiar with HBCU football, um, mm-hmm. there are a lot of these games that are classics. Yeah. You know, there's yep. a ton of tradition. There's a ton of pageantry. Yep. You get the parades. You get the band out there. Um, and it's really a cultural event, which I think is pretty slick. But um, to your point, Tennessee State has produced a number of great athletes that have gone to the NFL. They've also produced um, athletes like my godbrother um, who have gone on to coach. He won a state championship in Knoxville. Um, and so that's wow. kind of the – the cachet of the program is what Eddie's trying to do. They develop young men into people who have success in the future. And so I think it's awesome that he's taken that role on. Yeah. And I love how you mentioned these games, HBCU games, you know, when these colleges get together, it's, it is, it's like a, it's like almost a show. Like there's so Mm -hmm. much that goes into it. I started my full-time sports career in Alabama and I'd cover Tuskegee. And so I would go to the games. And for me, I was shooting video at the time, right? I was on the sidelines. I find myself dancing on the sidelines. Yes. I'd have to remind myself that I'm actually shooting a game and Be have to pay attention, yeah. right? Because <laughs> I'm having so much fun watching the stands and the, you know, yes. the bands. So it's, it's really a cool experience. And Joshua, that's what I think TSU wants to bring energy back into breathe life back into the TSU name and sure. by bringing in somebody like Eddie you already you have a, a step ahead of some of these other programs now TSU's in the OVC it's mm-hmm. a pretty decent league um, it is Austin P went really far in the playoffs just a couple of years ago um, and I think that TSU can be competitive so here's my question to you Joshua First and foremost, what does Eddie have to do to have success, considering the fact that he's never been a head coach? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I first of all think it starts with the finances, and I do um, know that TSU said that they have agreed to, you know, have more funds for him available. Yes. But what else is it going to take to really succeed there? Because he doesn't know failure. Yes, and I'll I'll put it like this. The, his first task is going to be putting together a staff yep. of coaches who can really support him. And when you're a guy like Eddie George, you obviously have the football background, you have the football knowledge, but you don't necessarily know how to operate as a coach. So you figure he's going to be more of a figurehead, organizational leader. He's going to tell the coaches what he wants to see in terms of a product, and then he's going to have to really rely on some experienced coaches to produce that product for him. The second thing he has to do, and and he has an advantage over probably all of the coaches in his conference, is recruit. And he's going to have every opportunity because he'll walk into whoever's living room and everybody's going to know who he is. Everybody knows who Eddie George is. And he's charismatic. He's good looking. He'll be able to win over families. And that's a big deal. But the other part of recruiting goes to the thing that you mentioned about funds. Yes. HBCUs are – Uh, known in terms of athletics to not be so great in terms of facilities because a lot of these universities, um, they have budgetary issues. And so um, he'll, he'll have to fundraise in order to make that happen. But if they can, you know, update some facilities and really make it feel like a place where kids want to go, I think Eddie George will be able to close the deal just based off of the fact that 
hey, you know, I've I've seen the highest heights. I know what it takes to be great, not just in football, but in life. And I can help take you there. Yeah, and you had mentioned putting together the coaching staff. That's the next step. I know that nobody asked him in the presser about that because I wasn't there, else I would have asked. <laughs> um, I was off today, and we're we're taping this on a Tuesday, if you're wondering. And then in he was on first take this morning, and they actually mm-hmm. did ask him about it on first take, but he didn't really give any hints. But the word is is some of the names out there that are being thrown around. Uh, Hugh Jackson is offensive coordinator. I know that Jeff Fisher is going to be kind of in an advisory role. And what I've heard is his son, Brandon, who I actually covered at Montana, is potentially going to be the defensive coordinator. And then I've even heard, like, Ray Lewis's name. That'd be a hell of a deal. Could you (laughs) imagine this, like, star-studded staff at TSU? And I think that they'll get people to games next year, no doubt about it. It's just a matter of can they find success. And I sure hope they do because I'm excited. And I actually covered a lot of FCS football. And, man, it's fun football. It it really is. And I know it's a lower level than, you know, what we cover on a daily basis. But you can really produce some good athletes Um, And I think that's another thing that, you know, you saw what Eddie George did with Derrick Henry. He sat him down. He said, kid, you got to, like, turn it up a couple notches if you want to succeed in the NFL. If Eddie can tell a grown man uh, how to be better and then he goes and wins back-to-back rushing titles, I think he can have an impact on these, these young men. Yeah, I agree with that. And and I think really the part of the job has been done to where people are talking about Tennessee State and they're talking about FCS football and they're talking about HBCUs and it's really bringing it to the forefront of culture right now. And I think there is some intrigue around it. And so you're right, like the, the duty now is to go out there and actually win the, the games because there will be the eyeballs. I think that especially Nashville, which is a city where there's so much going on, people love doing things there. I think they'll be able to get some people attracted just to see what's going on there, mm-hmm. then you got to win. And that'll be the biggest yeah. task, but he's the guy who's set up to do it. Absolutely. Well, it's going to be fun to follow, and you can count on us because if there's some headline here that happens with that, we will bring it to you because we both have the, the Eddie connections, so it's fun. Yes, we do. That's Ohio right. State connections. It never goes away. Okay, let's get into something where I messaged you earlier this week when this story came out should say last week. And I'm like, this is going to be fun to talk about Mm -hmm. on next week's podcast. And you said, this is interesting. So Gus Malzahn, we all know the former Auburn head coach took the job at UCF and they had their spring game this past Saturday. And if you looked on the back of their uniforms, it did not have their numbers and last names or anything like that. It had, the Twitter handle of the athlete. So I'm immediately like, whoa, this is different. Mm -hmm. And after the game, Malzahn pretty much said, this is the new age of personal branding, and we are going to embrace it with the NCAA rules. That is who we are, and that is who we are going to be. You like it? 
You know I love it. Absolutely do. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's it's interesting. Like, I, th- I think about that at a place like Ohio State. What a wonderful opportunity. But, you know, Ohio State, they won't barely let you alter the uniforms at all. So don't necessarily see that as something unless there's a really big push for it. But here's here's the deal with doing that is we all know that times are changing. And if you don't embrace these types of things, like Malzahn said, you get passed up for the yeah. schools that will. And yeah. for these young athletes, just a little insight, and you know this, but I don't know how many people do, you know, folks are talking about this name, image, and likeness thing, and they're like, oh, well, you know, it's going to be doing commercials for a local car dealership or the local pizza shop or whatever. Yeah. And I would push back and say that for older folks, that is how the message is disseminated. You you listen to radio, right. you watch TV, that's how ads are done. And yeah. there is a place for that. There's absolutely a market, been a part of that. But For folks my age, millennials, and for now the athletes that are in college, Gen Z, it is the social media identity, the social media brand that is really driving the dollars. And we see some of these brand deals that are done on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, et cetera, um, that include a lot of of product, that include a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And the reality of the situation is followers equals dollars. It's money. It's capital nowadays. And so for these athletes to have an opportunity to change it up a little bit, put your handle on there, let people go through your social media, see what your brand identity is. Let some of these companies say, oh, you know, such and such is an outdoorsman. He likes fishing like Bass Pro Shops. Why don't you go ahead and have him run an ad on his Instagram story and you can give him money? This is the other thing it does. Have you seen some of the social media followings from some of the female college athletes? Oh, yeah. Because some of these ladies have so many more followers than a lot of guys do. Yes. And so when we talk about name, image, and likeness, one of the conversations that pops up a lot of times is the disparity between the popularity of men's sports and women's sports. Mm -hmm. And I would push back on that and say – on social media, some of these ladies have astronomical followings. Yes. And it's because – it's such a uh, a cult following. It's a niche where young ladies who are in elementary, middle, and high school idolize these women. You're exactly and they right. follow them, and they are in tune with everything that they do. And so this levels the playing field in terms of marketability. Maybe the Ohio State women's basketball player isn't going to be doing a commercial for buyer's autos, right. but they can do brand deals all day long Yep. And those brand deals span more than just what their location is. That's something that spans to wherever the followers are at. And so I think it's fantastic that a school would embrace something like this. And I hope it becomes a more popular thing that, that teams will do. That's a great point you made just about the level playing field when it comes to endorsements and things like that. Because you're exactly right. You look at some of these female athletes on the Instagram platform specifically because Instagram, in my eyes, does tailor a little bit more towards the female. I mean, it, it's very – sure. I mean, females are creative in the way they put together things, the way that they lay out their their Instagram pages. I mean, I'm a very visual person, and – like you said, these younger gals look up to these female athletes, whether they be college or professional, whatever they might be. And so it does kind of help in terms of an equal playing field, not not maybe exactly equal, but they still have opportunities, females do. Um, and I think what Gus Malzahn did was 
brilliant in a way because, first of all, it doesn't surprise me. UCF is known for its marketing campaigns and the way that they put themselves out there, you know, the undefeated season, everything that happened there. Give them credit for it because they uh, catch people's eyes. They do things that other people won't do or other programs. They embrace who they are. Yeah. And I have no problem with being who you are and being unique. Uh, And I do think it, it can start a trend, but I also appreciate Malzahn being honest and saying, this is who we are. We're going to embrace, you know, letting these student athletes, um, you know, get compensated with some of the stuff that, that they're putting out there. So I, it'll be interesting to see how that develops. I know I, other I programs, right? I know other programs well, aren't doing it in that way. They're, they're going to be a little bit more, I guess, specific about it. But He I don't forced think everybody's he hand, though, because he, he right. really put people on notice by doing it the way that he did it because it was unexpected. And then mm-hmm. he doubled down on it when he was asked about it. And so yeah. now if you're a school who is, um, you know, maybe a little bit more apprehensive about how you're going to let your athletes market themselves, well, Here's a school who is uh, who's made a New Year's Six game. They're in the state of Florida, beautiful campus, the whole deal, and they're not scared of what's going on. So mm-hmm. does that give them an advantage over a school that's maybe, oh, you know, we're our brand first, then the athlete second? Well, UCF is saying, listen, our, our brand and our athletes can share the same limelight and the same spotlight, yeah. and we're totally fine with that. I think it's a really unique paradigm. Yeah, to each is your own, right? And I know FSU, I put this on here because I wanted to bring it up. It, this is like a different approach. Supposedly, FSU started this Apex program. So for them right now, they're trying to educate, support its athletes in capitalizing on their upcoming name, image, and likeness legislation. So they're actually educating their athletes currently on this. But the thing is, and that's great. And I'm sure UCF is probably doing that as well. But what are you going to do to actually, like, take action? You can educate them, right, all you want. But at some point you have to take action. And and sometimes being bold is maybe the way to go and to get the wheels turning. So Yeah, being being bold is, I think, the idea there, right? Because um, you're not – nobody's noticing you unless you're doing something different. And I appreciate the education aspect of it because it's, you know, it's uncharted territories and um, athletes, even professional athletes are not used to being brands. They're not used to being businesses. So there, there needs to be an educational component with it. But at the same time, don't let the education get in the way of letting these guys go get their money. Like, let me, I I tell you all, like people all the time, well, you know, do you know how to do this? Do you know how to do that? Well, no, I don't, but I'm going to get to the money first and I'm going to figure it out (laughs) once I get there. You know, and so let them kind of do that. You know, there's going to be some mistakes made and there are going to be some questions that have to be answered, but get the guys to the money. Yeah, exactly. I love it. Forward thinking. Nothing wrong with it. We're here for it. Absolutely. We're here for it, especially on this podcast. So, Joshua, we continue our countdown to the NFL draft. It's exciting. I've been, you know, listening to radio and listening to some of the shows on uh, the sports platforms in terms of all these prospects that are out there. And we promised you guys that every week we're going to bring you a new prospect, each of us, so that you get to know a little bit about these guys before the upcoming NFL draft. So I will go, or I will let you go first. Who do you got this week, Joshua? So I want to take it to the tight end room. And and everybody's been talking about 
Kyle Pitts from Florida, and we've talked about him on the show a number of times, how good he is, and basically a cheat code. But I want to bring it to the Midwest and a guy that I covered in the Big Ten Conference in Pat Fryermuth. He, to me, is the tight end that you want to go after if you can't get Kyle Pitts, a.k.a. if you're not picking in the top five. Right. He's the tight end to go for. I watched him um, in the Big Ten Conference dominate. And I think that is tough to do because of the style of football that's played in the Big Ten Conference, known for physical at the point of attack. But this is also a league now where the ball is being thrown around the yard and offenses are starting to score a lot of points and they're high flying. And Pat Fryermuth was a reason why Penn State's offenses were able to have success. He was a tight end that you could line up on the line of scrimmage in line. He could be physical at the point of attack. He's a really good blocker. He could run routes off of the line of scrimmage, fight through the traffic, and get into his route. He is a obviously big target as a tight end, but it's the athleticism that he can combine that with that really stands out to me because there were opportunities where Penn State would pull him off of the line of scrimmage and he would be split out as a wide receiver all the way, the furthest one away from the quarterback into that slot position. They would line him up as kind of a wingback off of the line of scrimmage and move him around in the formation. And the reason that they did that was because he was going to be the guy if you were playing a bracket coverage or you were trying to double-team somebody on Penn State's offense. He was a double-team guy. That's the guy you were trying to get two people on. (laughs) So they had to move him around. I think that shows the amount of respect that people had for him. But I can remember a game in 2019, and I did a breakdown tape on this guy because he had such a good game. And I showed a clip of him running route from on the line of scrimmage, scored a touchdown, running route from off the line of scrimmage where he came back across the formation, was able to catch the ball close to the line of scrimmage, catch and run for a touchdown. There was another one where he was lined up in the slot, ran a beautiful fade for a touchdown. And one of those touchdown passes, he even had like two or three tacklers on him close to the goal line and was able to power through. Um, That's the type of player that's going to be successful in today's NFL because as a tight end, and a lot of teams roll with multiple guys at tight end. You want to be the versatile one who coach says, okay, I can put you in when right. we're going to run the ball, and I can trust you to make the block. But also when we're in that you know, red zone on in, yes. you're going to be the guy who I'm putting on the fade route because you can go up and high point it. You're athletic enough that you can get loose on a linebacker. You're big enough that it's going to be hard to cover you with the defensive back. One of my favorite prospects in this draft, I've gone with Big Ten guys, uh, the last two weeks, you're going to see a trend here. I'm going to show my Big Ten guys love, but he is the next one on the list. Pat Fryermuth, very good player. Looking forward to seeing where he goes in the draft. I, I learned a lot. I mean, and considering I'm a big fan of the tight end position, I just hear maybe I'm biased because it's used so often in the Titans offense. So I've just become such a big fan of it. it these players like that that you describe in Pat, such a, a special player, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. What is it? What is it? Does he have a weakness? I mean, what would be the one weakness that you would look at with this that maybe a team would pass on him? He's a little banged up. That was the one thing. 2020 was a rough year for him. Um, obviously, with the shortened season, he had opted back, and then he opted back in, and then he had to deal with injuries. So um, sure. the, the medical examination is going to be big for him. Um, but for me, I don't know how many weaknesses there are just because I saw the versatility And I saw the toughness out of him. Um, And so this is what you're going to get is a guy, if he can't play necessarily on day one as a tight end, he's going to give you all the best on special teams and everything else. Like I don't see very many weaknesses. 
he's a he is for as good of a player as he is, he's a very safe pick too. I like that. And I take note of that. Any of you who you know your teams need a tight end. Or anybody who's uh, listening from an NFL front office who uh, needs some scouting help, you got your boy right here. I got all the scouting details. Hello. (laughs) Listen to this because Joshua knows what he's talking about. (laughs) He he does this every day in the Big Ten. There's so much talent there. I know. I I was like, we're going to get a lot of prospects leading up to the draft from the Big Ten, which I'm here for. I'm here for because if you know the ins and outs of these guys, you might as well share it. So I am going to go with the position that seems to be just taking over the draft every year now in the first round, and that's the quarterback position. Joshua, I heard, is it, are we up to like five guys that might be taken quarterbacks in the first round? Is that what we're now hearing? What I I saw from, from Kuiper's deal today was Trevor Lawrence, number one, Zach Wilson, number two. Um, Mac Jones, number three, to San Fran. And then I saw he had Trey Lance in there somewhere in the top ten, and then he had the Patriots. I think they're trading up to get Justin at number ten. So, Okay, well, we've already talked about how we're annoyed with that. And don't get get me started with the overhype of quarterbacks. Just don't get me started because we'll go on for another 40 minutes. So (laughs) I did want to bring this prospect to the table, though, just for the sheer fact, I don't think a lot of people know about him. And that is quarterback, you mentioned him, Trey Lance out of North Dakota State. And that's a reason why just people are learning about him now because he's in these mock drafts in the first round. You know, some of these analysts are picking him to go earlier than what we thought before. But um, FCS quarterback, we know the success that North Dakota State has had in the FCS. I mean, they literally win the national championship every year now. Yeah. And it's not even close. And so this quarterback, it's an interesting story, Joshua. And the more that I looked into and the more that I was intrigued by, you know, what he could possibly do at the professional level. So first and foremost, I thought it was funny this week. um, Josh Allen, quarterback at Wyoming, not a very big school in terms of notoriety. And we all know what Josh Allen is doing now, but it took him a while. So I guess he sent a message to Trey and was like, don't listen to the people that the doubters out there, you know, go out there and just prove that you can do it, whatever. So he's, he's already got some advice from some of the top quarterbacks in the NFL, but he, uh, the, the positives about this guy is that he's a big dude, dude, I think six, three. Uh, so physical guy, uh, strong thrower. I mean, he can, he can throw a pretty ball. I would say he's mobile, but in certain situations, I think he gets flustered. Uh, it feels like he just he can't control the situation, which these are all things that show that he's a little raw in terms of maybe coming right in and being a quarterback for a team. Um, maybe you know, sit behind and be a backup for a year or two. But I, I do like the fact that North Dakota State runs that pro style offense. <clears throat> play action. He's asked to do a lot at the line of scrimmage. He's a smart guy. So everything I've heard, very well respected, mature. Um, That's all the positive stuff. You know, everybody's looking at his physical attributes like, wow, this guy is, is a prototypical quarterback. But then you look at last year, 
he didn't play because of the whole COVID thing and what happened with FCS. They didn't have their season. So, really, he's got like 17 starts as a quarterback. Yeah, that's a lot of these quarterbacks in this draft, though. That's Mac Jones, too. Yeah, Mac Jones. And, I mean, even Justin, to a certain degree, he's got two years as a starter, but the Big Ten Conference was short this last year. Um, I feel like it makes it really hard to evaluate. And then you back that up with the fact that, like, I haven't seen Trey Lance a lot. I know the experts watch it. Um, But only 17 starts, and it's, you know, it's against FCS competition. Like, where do the questions lie? But here, he is a guy that folks were talking about last year as one of the the breakout stars who could be at the top of that quarterback class Mm -hmm. um we will have to see well i'm going to pose this question to you though so there's an argument going on because now mac jones has just flown up the draft board and you were mentioned now the niners are interested in taking him and don't like we've already gone off about mac jones i don't think he is Gonna no, be this he's not. phenomenal, like <laughs> ready to go starter. So somebody was arguing. I was listening to the radio the other day about both of them have essentially had 17 starts, right, mm-hmm. as a quarterback. And the the people that are all for Mac Jones are like, well, yeah, I mean, he plays in the SEC, you know, top level competition, blah 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 blah. And I'm like, okay, that's cool and everything. And I know that Trey Lance plays in the FCS, but Mac Jones has talent all around him. Yep. Making his job a lot easier than Trey Lance's job to go undefeated at North Dakota State, even if they're in the FCS. And so sometimes I laugh at people like that because I'm like, oh, so Mac Jones, just because he played in the SEC, that means he also has elevated talent in terms of everything around him. That makes his job a lot easier. Let me put it like this. There, yeah. there are very few teams that can compete with Alabama, even within the SEC. Like, there's, yeah. it's, they're, they're on a different level. Um, I, I say this to people who want to hype up Mac Jones, and I feel like we just – it's take a dump on Mac Jones every <laughs> I week. Know. But I'm, I'm going to do it until the damn draft and probably after. Um, watch the tape. Like, seriously, flip on the tape, watch the games, and then you tell me what yeah. Mac Jones did yeah. that was difficult. Tell me what he did – from a uh, a physical trait standpoint, from a physical feat standpoint, that was actually impressive. The best offensive line in college football. He had the Heisman Trophy winner at quarterback. His running back was top five in the Heisman Trophy race. Like, please tell me what he did that was extremely difficult. A lot of the passes were quick throws. They were meant yep. to be quick. And, and those are high percentage passes. The deep balls were to guys who were wide ass open. Typically, like, not, I'm not, I know we can't, we can't go on and on and on and on about it, but I just, that the whole, well, he played against elevated talent in the SEC, right? But what did he do that was actually impressive? Take away the players, look at him and just him. Tell me what he does that's elite. And the biggest thing is they had, Alabama had everyone's eye all year long because they were that dominant, right? So what would have happened if he played on an Alabama team that maybe won, you know, seven games, whatever, and and he was, you know, I mean – is he still that court? I mean, that's what I don't get because it okay, wasn't really so about him. I don't let's think ask it was that question. about him. 
right? So let's let's say Alabama um, has two losses. So they're still a team that you watch because they're Alabama. They're doing yeah. all right, but they're not national title winning Alabama. And the two losses were because, you know, the defense let up some scores or whatever the case is, not necessarily because the offense wasn't doing great. Yeah. Do we still talk about him the same way? And I'm talking about, like, similar offensive output, you know, didn't win a national title, maybe lost a couple of games this year. Are we still saying that Mac Jones is the guy that we say? Because a lot of times when we judge these quarterbacks too, we're judging them based off of wins. You know, like yeah. when you win a national title, it, it it's going to elevate your quarterback cachet because it's the most important position in any mm-hmm. position out of any sport. Um, and so I would just, I would simply ask that question. Well, Matt Leinart won a national title. Vince Young won a national title. Tim do you want me to go on and on? Like, I mean, we can do this. Yeah. He, I, I mean, I've been trying to make this point for years now. Maybe not years, but since we've been doing this podcast. All right. I, let me throw this out there. I'll throw this out there. Cardale Jones leaves after the 2014 season. He doesn't stick around for 2015. Yeah. He's probably a first or second round pick, right? And he stuck around. We actually saw what he was. Like, there was a bigger sample size, which if Mac Jones stuck around, there'd be a bigger sample size, maybe a drop-in talent for Mac Jones with some of the guys that are leaving. Does that expose him to the same way it did Cardale, to now, instead of being a late first-round, early second-round pick, Cardale Jones becomes a fourth-round pick who's not in the NFL currently? I'm not saying that to disparage my guy, but I'm saying that to say that the hype train is real when it comes to quarterbacking. It is real, and it's more real than ever, Joshua. Yeah. It's it's almost to the point where I just sit back and, and kind of laugh and let these draft analysts, in my opinion, sometimes sound like fools. Yep. Because I'm like, what are you just trying to – in a way, like, you think they know better. So, but everybody has to have an opinion, though. You know that's how this I business know. goes. I know. Well, I, if I were on there, and I, I'd be like, this is ridiculous. Why are we hyping these quarterbacks? And I don't feel like anyone does that. That would be my opinion. Maybe I'm, that's why I'm not. Maybe that's why I'm not a draft analyst because we're not ready for that. But no, I'm, I'm being serious. Like, I I'm, I'm not. No, I 100% agree I'm, with you. And 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 this is the thing. Like I'm not saying that he's going to be a bad quarterback in the NFL. No. I think he'll find success, especially in the right system. But what I'm saying is he's absolutely overhyped. And then I'll leave it on this one. Um, and this is not to attack the young man because he's obviously come away from when you know, some of the the issues that he's had in his past, but here's a guy who had a fake ID. Here's a guy who had a DUI, you know, like we'll, and we'll sit here and we'll ask about Justin Fields work, work ethic. And, you know, is he, can he handle it? And is he really a team guy? And nobody's brought up the character concerns for a guy in the age of Uber and Lyft who would get a DUI. Like as, as a collegiate athlete where, you know, you can't get away with doing anything. That's all I'm going to leave that on. Like, I'm sure he'll be fine in the NFL. But for me, if I'm doing this evaluation as if I have to draft a guy, he's not the number three quarterback on the board, period. Absolutely not. I can say that with 100% confidence. Um, You can at me all you want if he goes on to be extremely successful with the 49ers. I'll take it on the chin. Right? Go for it. But I'm just saying right now, I don't think that's happening. And we're still getting – I love today I was watching something, and they're trying to just make excuses for Sam Darnold and how he's going to be successful in Carolina. And and I'm like, 
get over it, people. And, and yeah, I think people even, love him. I, and I think even Colin Cowherd said something along the lines of, if he could just get back to what he did in college. I said, he's not in college. Yeah. He, no. he's, not, he's not been successful at the, in the league. That's the problem with him, all though. these quarterbacks. You can yep. be successful in college. You can wow all you want. But a lot of them are not panning out in professional ranks. Yeah, and again, it's, you know, you take a flyer on a quarterback because it's the most important position. If it pays off, it really pays off. But to me, I, I just, I think people get, quarterbacks get too much leeway in the evaluations. Like, they scrutinize every single player. And they, it's not to say they don't scrutinize these quarterbacks, but they scrutinize them to still overdraft them. Yeah. Like, regardless of, of what comes back on these quarterbacks, like, they're going to be overdrafted. Mm-hmm. Because people keep swinging and missing on quarterbacks. Exactly. I mean, like bad drafting at quarterback leads to more bad drafting at quarterback. That's the trend. Boom. Right there. Quote of the week. I need a quote. When I when I tweet this out, that's what I need to use. I'm using Seriously. it. That's great. That's great. Run with it. Well, this has been a fun, uh, very heated episode <laughs> of, Prod- of Press Pass. That's what you get, folks. Get us on a topic, and I know we just start turning up, stopping us. And now you know you get the video side, so you get to see all my great expressions. Because let me tell you something, I've got some. I'm. I know, and you. I am very animated. That was the one you did too when you started getting into the quarterbacks, and you were like, "And let me tell you," and I was like, "Ooh, right." You get the. You can really start to see our personalities now if you watch the video side of things, because yeah, and we're TV people, so we know how to yeah, ham it up too. Exactly. So we, <laughs> we know how to bring you guys in. I uh, appreciate you guys listening this week, Joshua. Where can they go to find you on Twitter? You did start a little chain recently. You you did something on Twitter yes, recently. What was that? We did. Let's talk about it. Yeah. I How was do you like to eat your hot dogs? With ketchup and mustard and all of that good stuff on it, relish. Yeah, we we got into the uh, the whole hot dog discussion. Yes. I think we talked about that maybe a week ago. That was I think my last little Twitter rant. Um, yeah, because I said. I said that I was going to get on people about milk, and I haven't done that yet. But I've I've compiled a list. I'll I'll give it to the people now. This is the bonus content. You'll <laughs> you'll get it before I bring it to Twitter if you listen to the show. Um, I I think that the way that we do credit scores here in America, um, it it it's not the best system. Okay. Uh, with three different bureaus and everything else, and I think there's some bias that's in there. I'm not going to get too far into the systemic whatever. Yeah. Here is how I would do credit scores in America okay. is if you do any of these things, mm-hmm. then you just have a low credit score. I don't know what it's going to be. I haven't put sure. a number to it. If you do one of the three things, it's going to knock your credit score. You're going to be in the 600s. If you do two of the three things, you're in the 500s. If you do all three of them, you're going to hell, but right? you're in the, the 400s. So my list is if you put just ketchup on a hot dog – the second one is if you're an adult – now, I'm not even going to say adult. If you're over 10 years old and you drink just a glass of milk, yep. drop your credit score. And then finally, if you eat your steak well done, Ooh. I'm dropping the credit score. Ooh. So, And if you do all three of those things, then you don't qualify for any type of credit, period. 
there are people out there that are not going to qualify. No, there are. There's some people who there really live people. their life exactly doing exactly what I said. And I feel bad for them. I do. Because that has to be a rough way to live. I couldn't imagine. I don't check any of those boxes. So what's my credit score? 700? Oh, yeah. No, we, we're in the 750 plus range. Yes. Yes. No. You got. You, you need to put that out there. I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm going to see if I can. uh, Good. That would be really funny. See if I can piss some people off. But you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at RIP underscore J-E-P. Yes. Go follow Joshua. You can follow me, Instagram and Twitter, at Kaylee Anderson TV. We appreciate you, as always, tuning in to Press Pass. You can check us out on YouTube now as well. We're trying to get this where you can get it in one place. We're working on that, Blue Wire, right? We're working (laughs) on that. Don't test me. <laughs> uh, oh, all right. You know. That might have been the best end to a show I've ever been a part of. Like I said, I'm not afraid. All right? <laughs> no, you're not. I'm a grown woman. <laughs> you are a grown-ass woman <laughs> who is not afraid. <laughs> so we're working exactly. on that blue wire. Exactly. Blue wire. Yeah. Yeah, I'm here for it. Love it. Uh, Appreciate you guys again. And tune in next week for another episode of Press Pass. Take care, guys.